have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast and the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling podcast. And you're listening to I Know You Hear Me with Flynn Hendricks. Don't you fast forward. I know you hear me. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famer on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Welcome back, everybody. Man, I am excited to be back here again in the studio. I have got another awesome episode with another awesome guest lined up for you. And I know you hear the same kind of intro every week, but I'm a broken record here, guys. I'm having fun bringing these to you, and I'm having fun chatting with my friends and letting you guys eavesdrop on the conversation. But... Before we get into all this fun stuff, man, from the bottom of my heart, I got to thank you guys again for not only tuning in and subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or maybe it's Apple Podcasts now, I can't remember, but you subscribe on there, you leave those five-star reviews, you share it with your family, you share it with your friends, you follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, every single bit of that helps, and I greatly appreciate it, and I gotta give a shout out to Wolfie D and Jimmy Street from our brother podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D for advertising on the show this week, make sure you give their podcast a listen, it's especially if you're a wrestling fan, because that is one that you don't want to miss. It's raw, it's real, and Wolfie pulls no punches. And you can also go back and listen to Jimmy Street's episode in the archives of Season 1. Definitely recommend checking that out. And now, guys, without further ado, here we go. You've heard this guy's name come up before. Sonny Strait. Famous voice actor here in the United States. You'd probably know him for voices like Krillin or the original Toonami Tom. This guy not only was one of the voices of my childhood, but he is how I have met so many of my voiceover friends. And I haven't even met these people in person, but again, it's like we have these relationships like we've known each other for years. So that's how I met Suzanne in the past. That's how I met Corey in the past. And it's also how I met tonight's guest. This dude is a voice actor. He's an audio editor. I was recently a guest on his podcast. Make sure you go check it out. It's called the Golden Hour Coffee Cast. And guys, I had a blast on here, so please make sure you go check them out. Go subscribe, share it, listen, get ears on these podcasts, because man, like I said, I had a blast. So without further ado, it is my pleasure here tonight to introduce Jesse Healy. Brother, thank you for being on here tonight. Oh, thanks so much for having me, man. I can't help but feel like you were uh, almost overblowing my ego. I thought you were going to introduce Sonny for a second. I was like, oh no, guys, I'm not. 
I'm not there yet. I'm not. Oh no, dude. No, no overplaying (laughs) on my part, man. I, truth be told, if you want, I can give you that ring announcer entrance too. We'll do it Michael Buffer style. I can go back and edit that (laughs) in if you want. That would be awesome. Oh man, let's see what I can do here. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the podcast. He comes from Chicago. He's a voice actor. He is an audio editor, and he is also a podcast host himself. Coming to the I Know You Hear Me studios via Zoom, Jesse Healy. There it is. Please don't sue me, Michael Buffer. (laughs) (laughs) Please sponsor this podcast. All right. Man, I am so excited to be on here. And, dude, like I was saying, uh, we're kind of doing this back-to-back here um, because, you know, like, we, we, I didn't realize this until recently, you know, like, like you were telling me off-air, we started kind of podcasting almost around the same time, not too long after uh, Sonny's class last summer, which, man, I can't believe it's already almost been a year at this point. Like, that blows my mind. Yeah, it is absurd, and I think... You know, it, it had been so many years since I had taken his intro class. Because mm-hmm. I think you and Corey and a bunch of other people who were in there had been there in the last two years. And yep. I was I was the black sheep who was like, oh, yeah, Sonny, I was I was in Texas when your stuff was in person oh, in man, like 2018. I'm... And he's like, oh, wow, okay. I was like, yeah, wow. college kind of got in the way. <laughs> I couldn't really, you know, take the flight out again. Right, uh, right. But, you know, remote works. Man, that... That blows my mind because, like, 2018 isn't even that long ago, but it's like a whole nother world at this point. And I can't even imagine what his workshop would have been like in person because I only got the Zoom experience. And my first go-round, I was uh, still so fresh into everything. Like, I was just completely out of my element. So I can't even imagine how awesome of an experience you had just being there in person for it. Yeah, it was it was super cool. Um, the... Uh... I, I know when he uh, advertised for the second class, it was still very much, it sounded like it was very much the same to what we both experienced, where he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we really, you know, reach deep and like everyone cries. So that seems to have still translated to uh, the remote just as well. Oh, yeah. But uh, the intro, I, I completely am on that same level where I was super green. I'd never really done it before. Um, the biggest difference I'd say was that in person on Sundays, we would, uh, record demo reels. Oh, okay. That's different than what we did. Yeah. Yeah. And you would have us do a couple reads ADR and to try and make it as realistic as possible. It was like, all right, here's the thing. Here's, you get to see the animation. You get to hear the Japanese. You get two tries and that's it. Wow. And then you did a bunch and they kept the best ones for the reel that they emailed you like months later. Okay. See, ours was like uh, the Sunday class was, I think it was four different animations and you had to take time to, uh, which this was the hard part for me, was a lot of multitasking. You had to film and record yourself matching the mouth flaps and doing the ADR process and then send it in, and then you would review it when we came back from doing that. That was just nerve-wracking to me, because that was only my second time with any kind of ADR experience, so it was just all over my head. Yeah, I'm glad that he still still made it work, though. Absolutely, yeah, because I couldn't even imagine, like, 
being so fresh into everything and then COVID hits, I wouldn't know what to do in a situation like that. But I mean, the way he and Lawrence actually made those classes work, I mean, it was like a, a well-oiled machine by that point. So kudos to them for oh, yeah. keeping that trend going. But man, like, Definitely. I could, we could both sit here and sing Sonny's praises all night. And we're going to actually circle back to the second class we did last summer here in a little bit. But man, let's let's back it up a little bit and learn more about Jesse and what brought you into uh, into voice acting. Like, when did you first discover it? And what was it that piqued your interest and pulled you into everything? Well, my whole life, I've always been like the kid that was still watching cartoons. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if it's just a different thing nowadays, but even in like seventh and eighth grade, it seemed like I was one of the only kids that still watched it. Everyone had moved on to reality TV, and mm-hmm. I thought that was lame. Same here. And uh, Yeah. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Yeah, we're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought, um, I always knew that I wanted cartoons to be like involved with whatever I did for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was growing up, people said I could write, and I never really thought about it. I was like, well, people say I could do it. You know, cartoons are written, I guess, so that makes sense. But then I started watching uh, YouTube videos, and I really latched on to uh, Team Four Star stuff. Oh, nice. And at some point in time, I went to a convention. I think there it finally clicked, like, oh, man, these guys are, like, guys who do this for a living as a job. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, I'm just going around high school kind of impersonating all of their impersonations. Right, right. Um. And I have a lot of fun doing it, but that's people do this for a living. That's awesome. Like that's that's got to be it. And I I was obsessed with their content so much that in my intro class with Sonny, uh, he had everyone do a Kamehameha. Oh, nice! And I did a Team Four Star cell impression, which is a big <laughs> no no. <laughs> To do with someone who's worked directly with Funimation and for something that's going on a demo reel. So needless to say, that was not one of the uh, clips that they picked to uh, use for my reel because you don't want impressions or impersonations or anything like that on there. But uh, doing that in front of Sonny was uh, definitely something. I'm (laughs) like, it's one of those things where I'm glad I did it, sort of, just to say that I did. Yeah. But, you know, probably not, not the not the best or most professional thing. But it was an intro class, so it wasn't a professional yet. Right, Still right, working right. On that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, man, like, there's a lot of stuff in everything you just said right there. And there are two, two big questions that kind of jump out to me in that. First one is, as you're discovering all this um, and your family kind of sees the interest growing and – you know, you go to the convention, you have a, a more realistic picture of people doing this as a job and a career. As they see this passion growing within you, are they supportive of it? Do they even know, like, what you're trying to pursue? Or is it just kind of like you're left to your own devices? Yeah, I'm I'm super fortunate to have had, you know, all my, like, all the family, even if they don't know what voice acting is, they're just like, oh, what what is that? I tell them about it. Like, oh yeah, you know that sounds that sounds good and whatever. I don't really have anyone that's knocking me down. Everyone around me has been very supportive. And uh, when I first went to 
like the intro class with Sonny, I was wrapping up community college Mm -hmm. and then searching for like an actual university. I found out that like right in my own backyard, there was like an art school that offered a minor in voice acting. I was like, oh, Oh, well, that's it. Yeah. Like I got to do that. Right. Mm hmm. And so I had to figure out a major that complemented it, and that's kind of how I got into the the audio engineering, uh, because I figured, you know, knowing how to make your own demo reels could save you a couple bucks and maybe make you a couple bucks if you know some other people who are trying to get a reel together and stuff. Absolutely. So and so, like in picking those things and trying to, you know, go from spending all that time in community college to like a private school mm-hmm. in my backyard, you know parents allowed me they helped me out i still uh live with them and everything uh and right now we're doing some like remodeling in my basement and we're uh building a booth very nice i, I love that so i'm super lucky super lucky to have uh the parents that i have and absolutely the support system and stuff in general very much also so. helps to have artist friends yes yes it does because then you're around a lot of like-minded people that Especially, too, if you hit a rough point, like, they're going to know what you're going through, whether you can verbalize it or not, too. So, being around people like that definitely helps, too. Plus, it keeps the creative juices flowing, and it's just a, it's a synergy for sure. But, with that, too, another question just popped into my mind, especially on the school side of things. As Mm -hmm. you're going through school, everybody knows that college can be, like, just all-consuming especially community college, trying to find a college to go to. When you find that college to go to that does have voice acting as, a, as an option for a minor, as you're becoming like part of your school career with it, did you ever find it becoming more of like, a, well, I wanted to do this, but now I have to do this, so it kind of took any of the fun and passion away? Did that ever come on the table there? Um, not so much, but there's uh, nothing from... Uh, nothing externally, really. A gotcha. lot of the only thing has been just sort of like the fear and like the trying Absolutely. to over perfect every take for mm-hmm. every audition that finds its way in oh, front yeah. of me. Um, but like I've all the teachers there and everything too were all very supportive, very real. You know, you felt pretty special if a teacher included you on their list. Like, hey, listen, my agency's looking for some non-union stuff. I only included certain people on here, so, you know, don't tell your classmates. Yeah. Um, that that was something that was always, you know, very encouraging since these are all union members and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not going to name names. Oh, of course. But, um, yeah, that was always something that was highly encouraging. But Absolutely. Uh, they did have guests in there from uh, agencies, uh, from the union, to really kind of, like, kick you in the ass a little bit just to be like, Hey, no, this is like, you say you're going to do this. This is how it goes. You're going to need, well, not need, but this is how you go about finding an agent. This is what goes into making a reel. And for, there was a prerequisite for the first like actual voiceover class. Mm -hmm. But once you got to the actual voiceover class, your final was to make your website. Oh, wow. So like they really like, tried to give you a swift kick, like, okay, you say you're going to do this, so do it. Man, that's amazing. And, like, 
I know, too, especially starting out, I had to do a lot of combing the internet, research and everything. And I know some of our past guests have kind of shared the same experience. They're like, how do you get started? Or using D. Bradley Baker's I Want to Be a Voice Actor.com. But man, that's amazing to have some, you know, a scenario like that where you have all these people that are the agents you want to work with or, you know, teachers that are voice actors that are where you want to be laying the groundwork and the foundation so it becomes a realistic and attainable goal. Like, that is amazing. And I can't believe, like, more, you know, you don't hear about more people kind of going that path too, or at least I haven't. So I'm, like, I'm just floored right now. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, from what I've gathered, just like in taking Sonny's class and all other sorts of classes outside of school, it's a very uh, unique path that, you know, not a whole lot of schools, I think, offer classes in voiceovers let alone any sort of minor or program right in it and from what i would hear teachers talking about at the school it was becoming so popular there that i think they were considering making it a major in a couple of years or something along those lines but you know teacher or like school administrations and stuff like that can all get real wonky so god knows what's gonna happen yeah yeah exactly i'm sure a lot of politics and everything else may come into it too but and i think you know chicago gets a bad rap with a lot of people so i i think in um steve bloom has like his bloombox facebook page yes i'm a member of that as uh, well yeah and uh i've seen a couple of people like talk about like uh when i first started at at the college, I saw some people asking, like, where to start, do schools do it? And I told them about the school, and, you know, their first question was like, oh, man, it's it's like Chicago, though. Is it is it safe, or am I going to get shot? And right. Like, yeah, guys, it's not, it's not all, like, you can call the security to, like, escort you. Yes. And stuff like that. They have the numbers, all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it, I with that school specifically, I think that's something that might sort of deter people especially a private out-of-state school like Mm -hmm. college itself is already so expensive so yeah just stacking those two costs on top of it would definitely make it uh a chore absolutely lucky for me this was just in my backyard yeah man that's uh like that's that rare needle in a haystack and it's right under your nose like that is just i've used the word several times already but that is just absolutely amazing yeah. Like, that's meant to be. So, something else you've said in there, uh, especially you referenced it just a few minutes ago about, you know, like, making your own demo or, you know, finding somebody that needs to get a demo made. When did that become something that you got interested in? Because, obviously, you know, like, now you're an audio editor. So, what what was it about it, like, especially with the demo process that caught your eye and, you know, just grabbed your attention there? Well, um, when I got my demo back from Sonny's introduction class, Mm -hmm. I did the the whole artist thing of hearing it and being like, "Ah, I could have done that better. Yeah. Uh, That one could have been better, too. Uh, I don't like it. I don't want to send it anyway. Uh, No. No, I got to redo it. And uh, I had helped uh, one of my friends, uh, actually my co-host on my podcast, uh, Eric Tranton. He's a a videographer and everything. Mm -hmm. And we tried doing this horrible well okay it was an idea for a youtube channel of covering news and it just happened 
I think we did it in like 2016, 2017. So there was the elections. There were all these oh, like terrorist attacks and everything. And that's when we tried telling the news. And it was just a bad time. And we decided to scrap everything. But while we were doing it, I just kind of like would hold the camera. I didn't know how to operate it. And maybe move the lights when he told me to. Mm -hmm. And if we did sketches, I'd be in that. But outside of that, he had to do all the video editing, all the audio editing and everything else. And he was like, I hate the audio editing. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to do this voiceover thing, uh, I can do two things when it comes to a major. I can do the audio editing. So that way I can do stuff for the voiceover stuff. So I don't need to do it. And I can help my buddy out with these sorts of projects because I can just do the audio stuff. Or I could go into animation, and if I draw cartoons, I get to pick who voices the cartoons. Me. Right. I pick me. <laughs> but I didn't know anything about animation, and I was just like, uh, you know what? At the very least, since I don't like my demo, I can, I can redo mine, if nothing else, if I go the audio editing. So I just sort of went with that. Man, that's a that's an interesting way right there too. Like, and I love how like you said, if I could pick anybody, I would pick me. So, but again, like in doing that too, like the biggest thing that jumps out at me because we are so similar on a lot of things. Like you said, when you got your demo back from Sunny, it's uh, you know, it's like oh, I could have done that better. Oh, I could have done that better. Mm-hmm. In that situation where like I know you said yeah, I would pick me, but. Would you, like, are you able, if you edit your own material, to, like, turn off that, like, overly critical mind? Because for the creative types, we are always our own worst critic. Or if you need something edited, do you send it elsewhere? Like, do you, like, have to just flip the switch and say, I'm sending it to somebody else to do it? Are you able to uh, objectively, you know, edit your own materials? I do. It is a process. It is a very time-consuming process, and I get caught up in the little things for mm-hmm. quite some time Man, and then if the I'm same. almost done and then think of how I could have approached the whole thing differently oh, yeah. sometimes I'll go back and try and re-record everything it's it's a chore Man, this it is, is definitely a chore we but, are kindred um, spirits yeah but for certain other little things if it's like a, it's weird because it's like if it has if there's no strings attached to it if it's just something that's going like into an episode of the uh, my podcast, mm-hmm. where it's just like a little funny bit that we have like a, a gag going on for. Uh, like we we have a couple of like fake ads by brands yeah. we're definitely not sponsored with. Right, we'll just right. Be like, oh yeah. Uh, oh man, I'm forgetting some off the top of my head. But like <laughs> bubbly, um, there was one that we did for like this crypto like gambling site, and just like coming up with like a script and just doing like a completely nonsensical like nothing matters i can just kind of throw this out there and have fun with it Mm -hmm. sort of thing i can bust that out in a couple of hours not really overthink anything right and then send it not to be like hey is this okay but more of like a dude check this out i think this is hilarious please like just confirm with me that it's as funny as i think it is i gotcha i gotcha now but the second there's stakes to it you know you get all up in your head Yep, the pressure comes and like five extra tons are added right on top of your shoulders. And that's something yep. that I want to I want to get back to uh I guess 
I guess we're gonna have to go back to like when you first, you know, got drawn into everything, and we'll even throw myself in there too because you know, like you always hear the expression, "Go back to the sandbox," or you know, like pretend you're that kid playing in the sandbox that doesn't care what anybody else is thinking. And like you even said just a, a little while ago, you know, like you had a supportive network around you, and you still have a supportive network around you. But like, where do you think this? overly critical and you know like I guess even you could even say like self-doubting inner voice in our heads like where do you think that comes from or where did it come from for you because like you were having fun doing the the team four star impressions and doing everything in high school but then it's like as soon as the stakes get there you know it's just like boom unnecessary pressure but we don't know where it comes from like where do you think that stems from uh you know I'm not so sure i in general, I know when I read something or like read some sort of copy or script, mm-hmm. there's like a way that I say it initially in my brain. And for me, I found like in the classes in college, it can be easy for me to communicate uh, like that to like my classmates. Yeah. It's like, oh, inflect here and like try coming at this sentence from this angle and do that. But when I'm doing it myself, it's just like, oh, but what if that's not right? It's just like the constant second guessing yourself and yeah. not, not trusting yourself for yourself, but trusting yourself to like help others. It's this weird, um, it can almost be a toxic sort of cycle where it's like, if I'm doing, like, I can do someone else a favor, that much I know. Mm-hmm. But if I need to listen to me, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And it's just like that it's it feeds and it cycles in itself. And like that's I think why uh, artists just kind of get caught up in everything and can't really move forward. Yeah, I get it. It's when they see it somewhere else, it's one thing. But if it's something that they're doing, like it needs to be held to like an even higher standard. Yes, that's just too high. Absolutely. And it's uh, I'll be honest, that's one thing that improv has greatly helped me with over the last two years but even then you know it's like having that much experience in it now you still have that habit that's been in the back of your mind and been so ingraining like just that perfectionist mentality that it seems like has become like the norm for getting ahead in society at least in you know the american portion of the world it's like work 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 keep yourself busy do all this stuff burn yourself out you can always do better you know it's like you get those breaks, thankfully, like, improv has helped me with that, but it's like you still have those little seeds and doubts, you know, jump in and creep in, and it's like, uh, man, it just, it, I don't really know any other way to say it, but it's like a never-ending battle, like you said, it's a cycle, and the only way I've come to understand it, at least from talking to other creative types, too, is just that, like, it's really common with the creative types, and there's really no rhyme or reason for it. We're just always in our own heads because we always think we can do better. But that kind of, that leads me to my next question too. Um, and it's a phrase a lot of people have heard on here now, submit it and forget it. Were, yeah. Was that something they taught y'all in your college courses as well so that you're not, you know, going back and just, you know, overanalyzing everything? Because I know when I first started, like, dude, I spent like an hour, hour and a half on a, five-line audition you know it's like it just it got ridiculous so how did you how did you process that and was that something that they taught too yeah yeah that was something that they really tried 
uh, driving home, they would uh, even give stats of, you know, especially now since voice acting is just becoming a more and more popular and competitive thing to get into, uh, all these uh, teachers who are, you know, established um, and have gotten in, like, some pretty decently sized gigs in all sorts of branches of voiceover uh, would tell you, like, hey, yeah, you know, back in the day, it was like, you'd get one out of every 20, Yep. now it's like one in every hundred. So, like, really, you can't get attached to anything. Like, yes. it's not a matter of your talent that is why you're not getting jobs. Like, it is just because someone else's interpretation might be closer to what they want mm-hmm. or they think someone's voice just fits what they're going for better or Absolutely. the brand better. We'd have classes in... We, we had one class in demo production, and there, uh, our teacher, uh, Marcy, would uh, sort of break everything down into, like, different types of copy. So she's like, okay, this week, bring in, like, five ads for big stores. This week, it's okay. tech. This week, it's food. And so you would bring in five copies um, of the just, like, 30-second ads, and we'd read them, and the class would be like, okay, your voice fits, like, these reads... And, like, uh, because, like, you're younger, uh, you've got that, like, very youthful energy. Yeah. So, like, I did, uh, like, some GameStop commercials Mm -hmm. because that's something that you associate with that brand. Yeah, absolutely. really trying to figure out what your voice already fits instead of trying to, like, tweak and contort your voice into something that's not as natural that you could end up hurting yourself trying to force yourself to do absolutely is how you're going to get the work and that's man that's something i love that they they made it a point to teach and especially to help you find those niches and categories that you know like that you would fit in and i think a lot of my like especially like with like gamestop for example I'm still a younger guy. I enjoy video games. And, you know, like, you can tell in the inflection of somebody's voice that that's something they're passionate about. So it's easier to fall into that demographic, like you said, without trying to put that extra pressure and strain on your voice to, you know, just to sound like a kid or make yourself sound older or whatever it is. You can use your natural speaking voice, and that may be exactly what somebody's looking for. And, you know, just being able to, to differentiate that so you're not just throwing your hat out there into everything that's not even for you. Like, man, that's a godsend in itself right there, too, because I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah, and it's, like, realizing that you can change, like, the emotion or the energy behind it and not necessarily the voice. Like, yes. I know earlier today I was trying to, to read some lines for a friend's project that he cast me in, and... It was one of those things where even just trying to make my voice just a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. after a while, that sustained change just starts wearing on you. Yes. And I know for me especially, and this goes back to like all of my Team 4-star impressions, I automatically, for some reason, would go and try to do all the gruffest, raspiest yes. voices that were just the worst for my throat. And now that's like a default thing that I go to when I think, oh, I can't use my normal voice because right. my normal voice isn't what this should be. So I'm going to do that. And, you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm like finished an entire kettle of water oh, and man. tea and whatever else. I'm going to the bathroom like every 15 minutes right. just because I'm like, oh, you know, I just got to calm it down as I go. I totally shouldn't have been 
drinking water all day beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I know it all too well. I know it all too well. And, man, I, I meant to ask this earlier, too. Going back to the class and then also, you know, mentioning demos as well, it seems like from everything I've heard about, you know, like the way you're quote-unquote supposed to do it as a voice actor, you know, it's like you're supposed to do the commercial demo then you're supposed to get the character demo, but I did it in reverse. Um, was that something that they taught y'all about in the class, about which demo comes first or what agencies look for the most as well? Well, being in Chicago, um, I, all my teachers were very much like, listen, like the ads are what's going to pay the bills. Yes. Especially in Chicago, it's a market where it's, there's not a whole lot of entertainment. It's very expensive to film here. We don't have animation studios here, really, for the most part, or a whole lot of game studios. So here in Chicago, ads are what's going to like pay your bills. But at the same time, I had teachers who told us, yeah, you know, uh, when I got married, you know, ads paid for the wedding and cartoons paid for our house because they got certain other auditions for different shows and whatnot. And I'm sure teaching as a side gig, that's always there and stable and gets you other benefits, possibly, if of course. they're better for the union or than, than, like, SAG. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously, I don't know the specifics, but, like, having all of that going for you, I, oh, can, yeah. I can imagine, is very stable and uh, whatnot. Yep. It's like the more but, the more you're doing, the more people are aware of you and the more they want to work with you. So it's like the yes. more booking the more bookings you have, the more bookable you are. Exactly. And you gotta know like what you're comfortable with doing. Yes. E learning, ebooks, or like just narration in general. Absolutely. Ads. Like you gotta find your niche. Absolutely. And I know for sure too, you know, like um Man, like, just the commercial thing is still not my strong suit. Mine, like, I'm more in, like, animation and narrations and industrials are kind of, like, my sweet spots right now. But I still get lucky every now and then with a commercial. But, like, when you have something like that where, because when I first got into this, I wasn't thinking about doing commercials. I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just thinking about like, man, I want to voice on a Dragon Ball project or I want to work for Funimation or or whatever it may be. When you started hearing these things, especially in that class, you know, like, well, you know, commercials will pay the bills. Was that already a thought in your mind or was that something that's kind of like, oh man, I didn't even think about that, but that sounds pretty cool. You know, like how was that for you? And then did that kind of like shift your priorities of, you know, doing animation and all that? Like, what was that like for you? It was definitely something that I had never really thought of or considered going in. And once you hear about the ads and stuff, all of a sudden when you're taking public transport and you're hearing the doors closing. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff is like, oh, you know what? That's probably another one. Yep. That was, you know, someone's making royalties on that. What a gig. Yeah. Um, Phone but, messaging. You know, like there, there's such this yeah. huge world out there that I never even thought existed. Like, I thought it was just an automated message. You never think that that's actually somebody getting paid for that. And like you said, getting royalties and residuals for it. Like, mind yeah. blown. Like, yes, sign me up. Yeah, and I think I have one teacher who's, like, her resume is 
ridiculous. Uh, but one of the things that she's able to do, or the one like gig that she has that uh, is like a returning thing, anytime they need work, they'll have her come in. Mm-hmm. She's like the voice for this like healthcare like system where they call home to check in on you after like a hospital visit yeah. or a surgery or something like that. And instead of just like having her read the paragraph and kind of AI her whole voice, they have her come in and like read the lines and they'll play those like recordings of her doing the lines. But, you know, it was originally read those whole sentences at a time and not patched together like. Right. So and like hearing that like sort of voice of like someone who's actually there and who read the full sentence really, you know, helps people feel like they're cared for when they're being checked in or whatever very very much hear a human voice on the other end being like okay have you felt depressed in the last few days um click one for this and one for this if it's you know yeah and it's not so robotic you know like so you you do feel like somebody actually genuinely cares yeah and that makes a huge difference it's something that you would never never consider going into something like this when you're guys like us who are just like, oh, dude, cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Absolutely. I want to do this for my life. I mean, it just, it gives you such a broader respect and appreciation for the entire genre as a whole. And then you also realize too, you know, it's like there's acting that even has to go into that so that you don't sound like you're just reading something off a script too. Like, that was exactly. a mind-blowing experience for me, too. Like, just, oh, man, think about this as, like, a, a young dad talking to his wife or his kids. Like, yeah, why didn't I think of that before? You know, like, just obvious stuff, but it's just, like, when you finally connect the dots, it's just, like, pfft, like, mind is blown. Definitely. And even with certain, I, I know I've had other teachers who, you know, would walk into a, an audition for something like Jeep. Where it's like, oh, you know, this is, they're looking for that guy who uh, got the gruff has voice. that like real deep voice and whatever. But they're like, listen, okay, I know my voice and I can't do that. But to communicate that same sort of idea, mm-hmm. I know how to work the mic. I can get right up on it and come at it from this sort of, yeah. like, I'm not as, I'm not a big like six five country dude, but I get family jeep and stuff like that where it's like oh you know what that's not what we were going for but like like that's like real yeah we can come at it from that angle absolutely and that's that's one of the things i love too is uh it's actually something that a previous guest on here uh rick robertson in, in season one told me he's like you know you give them you can give them the read they want or what they're looking for but sometimes you can give them something to say no to that may be just completely different than what they want or even just slightly a little bit different. And it may not be that gruff, like you said, six foot five country guy, but it may be somebody that loves those things that they're trying to portray in the commercial and can you know, like verbally articulate the emotion they're going for. And that's what ends up booking despite what they were originally looking for because they can change that person's mind in the moment right there. Like... Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing thing. Like you said, it's a, it's such a subjective thing too. But right, it, it's so powerful the stories you can tell with your voice without actually seeing that person. Like it's an amazing, impactful thing. Oh, definitely. And that was like I think my favorite story when it comes to that sort of thing is um, 
with Rob Paulson. Yes. Oh my God. When he yes. auditioned for Mark Chang uh, <laughs> for the Fairly Odd Parents. I love like, that character, the, man. Yeah, and he was like, obviously, when you see an alien, your first thought is not California Surfer Bro. No. <laughs> but no. if I remember correctly, uh, the story goes that he was like the first one that walked in for the audition. And Butch Hartman heard it, and he was like, yes, that's the guy, 100%. And then from there, everyone else was, you know, giving him takes of what they thought he wanted. Right, right. It was all, like, different takes on, like, the, you know, the weird alien voice. Yes. But, you know, doing a weird surfer dude who's just, like, completely, you know, taking it from the angle of fish out of water and doing that weird thing where it's, like, accent or, like, putting the emphasis on a weird syllable in a word or the weird word in a sentence sort of already does the whole alien thing for you, but you can do whatever for the actual voice. Absolutely. It's just, it's being willing to commit to that bold choice you're making. Yes. And you know, him making that choice, like it's so weird to think now, like what would that character have been if they didn't go with him? Yeah. It's almost horrifying. Which, speaking of, I have to say right now, if you haven't already, guys, go to YouTube, Google Talking Tunes, and watch Rob Paulson and Gray Delisle Griffin do a scene from uh, the original pilot of the X-Files as Mark Chang and Vicky the Babysitter. You're welcome. But, uh, man, we're getting... Talking Tunes is such a great concept. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. One day, maybe, please, bucket list goals. But uh, <laughs> yes. But man, let's uh let's talk about a couple more things here that I had on the plate. Um, one is again we're gonna go back to Sunny Straight here and just uh that second class because man I'm still trying to process get the wheel spinning in my brain that it's been a year at this point. But we yeah. had to do an exercise where we were put in groups and we had to act out scenes based off of our biggest fears. And yep. yours is one, like, my my fear was being a failure as a parent and repeating the cycles that my dad, uh, you know, put our family through. But yours was, like, everything that I related to and, like, everything I was feeling after that first class with Sonny, not by anything he or anyone else in the class did, but, like, I just felt so, like, out of my element, over my head, and, like, I was still so green that I just had no clue what was going on. And it really hit home for me. So like, what was it like for you to actually like put that out there and address that fear in a, in a group of your peers? Like granted it's through zoom, but you're still putting it out there. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, that was, that was something. It was something that I never really, uh, thought of, but you know, when Sonny presented the question and gave us like the data sort of reflect on it, uh, for me, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, if you have, uh, if you're lucky enough to have a support system as like wide and like spanning as, uh, mine is Mm -hmm. just not even, you know, other people I've met through school and voice acting, but just, um, my friends, my family, my girlfriend and everything. Um, and having some of those family members like financially support you with equipment and things like that. The idea of pursuing it and never being successful with it and never having anything pay off with it and almost wasting everyone else's time and support just terrified me. 
And there were there were a couple other things in there too that I threw in just to be like, oh, this would also be like a smaller worst case scenario that I can just throw in there to to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Since Sonny said, yeah, just cry, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, throwing that all in there, um, and then kind of making a joke at the end is uh, of my scene there. Because humor has always been like a, a a way that I coped. Yes, uh, it was it was an experience um, actually verbalizing it because I I had come up with like the bulleted list mm-hmm. and in doing it, um, in doing the actual scene, Sonny gave everyone in their groups what like five to ten minutes to like yeah. prepare a scene, mm-hmm. and everyone would just kind of like okay, these are the points. You play this. You play this. Uh, Hope Zoom doesn't was, lag in the middle. Yeah, uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, like Corey, who's been a guest on here yep. in my group, and that was that was something that was just like I, I didn't even know what I was really getting into until I was telling my teammates about it. And towards the end of just telling them, okay, you play this, you're going to be like my teacher who calls me to like try and help me get work, but Mm -hmm. then it's something that I don't want and would never want or something along those lines. You're going to be my girlfriend, uh, who gets pregnant and leaves. And you two are going to be my parents who I just disappoint. Like verbalizing that and trying to plot out like what exactly would be the worst case scenarios. Right. Right. Regarding all of those like different people in my life representing like the different factions of my support system from, you know, personal to familial to professional, um, would be totally devastating. And it totally was. And somehow that went on for like 15 minutes when it was supposed to be like a five to 10 minute thing where if we didn't wrap it up, Sonny was about to tell us to just stop. Yeah. But man, I, I remember that too, because like, it it didn't feel like it went the entire time, but like you could tell too, like that there was some emotion there, and like I, I'll even say cathartic to an extent too, because like you could tell that it kind of just felt good to be able to get some of this out and not hold it in. But again, too, yeah. I mean, it's like those are all still very real things. Even trying to add, you know, like just that uh, that other little thing that may not be as big, but just kind of sprinkling it in there. That's all stuff that we have. Uh, you know, as actors or artistic and creative types have all experienced, like, why am I not booking right now? Or I'm in a down period. Like, am I not that good? Like full disclosure, it took me over a year to, to finally start booking things once I did start pursuing voiceover. But you know, it's like, again, it's no knock on your talent. It's just, there's so much at play that people don't realize and all these other little things creep into your head and it just it amplifies those negative feelings to to maddening levels like so i mean kudos to you for being able to you know convey that in a scene and being so willing to be balls out and put that out there so like it it was nice to know like man i'm not alone in feeling these things because it, it it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves in that kind of situation yeah that was way more real than I expected it to be. Absolutely. Then, you know, like I said in those last, in that like last minute of planning when I was telling everyone their roles, 
even at that point, I was starting to get choked up. I was like, oh, this is about to be a mess. Oh, boy. And it was, <laughs> and it took no time to get there. But man, it was uh, it was powerful to watch, too. And the thing is, that really blows me away, um, and it's something I've discovered, too, like, it doesn't matter if it's in person now or through a computer screen. If there is a connection with the people you're acting with or there's something you can relate to and what they're doing, you feel that connection even through a computer screen. And that's something that stuck out to me about that too. So like there was a, that was a lot of raw emotion in there and that is what pulled me into it 100%. Yeah, very, very raw. Like I, I think when I was doing that, it was more of, I, I think I came at it from more of an approach of like accidentally just being therapeutic. And I wasn't even really thinking of acting. It was just like, all right, you right. Got, like I'm just going to put all this out here in this little zoom call uh, yep. beforehand too. I'd like close the sliding doors in my house. I was like, Hey, mom, dad, listen, we're supposed to do this thing with our worst fears. So, uh, don't call the cops. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. <laughs> they had him on speed dial, just full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> but man, so my last thing here, because uh, we're going to go from bearing our worst fears and, you know, deepest, deepest, darkest thoughts to something that we both now share in common. Obviously, if people have been listening for the last 48 minutes. They know what I'm talking about. We both host podcasts and like I alluded to earlier in the show, they both kind of started around the same time. So what, uh, I know like you had the, you had attempted to do the, the news readings. You have, uh, your podcast host that you do everything with as well. What was it that initially laid the groundwork for you guys to want to start the golden hour coffee cast? Well, for years, um, you know, I had just been helping, uh, my friend Eric with all sorts of, uh, video projects mm -hmm. um some of them were like little skits for contests that like youtubers did with yeah. the grand prize of like equipment and all this stuff uh, a lot of them uh, funnily enough were for were yo-yo videos because he is well was a professional competitive yo-yoer oh, wow. and uh somewhere along the lines he's moved away from competing and he wanted to focus more on these videos and so we got the whole golden hour idea because for one of them, he wanted to do like a really like touching, like love letter to uh, yo-yoing and Chicago. Mm -hmm. And um, we did two one takes of his routine. And uh, one of them was during golden hour, like sunrise downtown in the city he parked on top of like a parking garage at the college that he went to uh it was right next to like the sears tower had a great shot oh, of that wow and so that that was like the one of the first times that we used golden hour for something because like as a videographer and like a filmmaker he's been obsessed with golden hour at least since la la land came out and he heard about it and like found out how they did some of those scenes in the waning hours of the morning. Absolutely. Um, Man, that's powerful. And for years we had like sort of talked about like while I was still in college, mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe like a podcast or something, but like, what would it be about? There would have to be a theme. Maybe, I don't know that maybe one day we'd do it. And then this past fall, 
Uh, I graduated college. Uh, I was only working part-time. And uh, he was working as a wedding videographer. And it was just coming to the end of the wedding season. And he went like maybe a week or so without doing work. And he's like, dude, we got to do something. Like we're, 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 we're going to do the podcast thing. We're, we're just nice. going to do it. And I was like, this man is an artistic crackhead. Like he <laughs> needs his fix of just making something. I get it. And I so, get it. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, you know, we could, we, we commit to bits a lot. And like the, the whole golden hour yo-yo video was supposed to kind of be a bit, but then it took us like three weeks to actually do because we did not get that on the first try. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, you know what? Yeah, no, you know what? Golden hour. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll get up at like four in the morning once Ooh. a week and then film this shit outside, you know, starting in late summer, early fall in Chicago, right as things start to like get really cold. Mm-hmm. Sunrise. What could go wrong? Right. We could do this. Absolutely. So the first episode was outside, and we forgot about school buses. And I live in a relatively quiet suburb, but for some reason that morning there happened to be a couple ambulances. Oh, and so we're no. like, all right, we're going to move it into the basement. And we did that for not quite golden hour, but still the morning. It was like 9 o'clock. And eventually we're like, yeah, fuck this. No, we're just doing it. Like at this point, it's just kind of the name. Yeah. Um, but uh, we actually just uh, rebranded our just our YouTube channel um, so we could start putting up other content that wasn't just uh, the podcast. Um, and we're the the YouTube channel is accidentally friends because uh, we. Eric was the one that came up with the naming conventions for our episodes. And he thought he was emulating Seinfeld Mm -hmm. with the style of like, uh, oh, this is the one where we blah, 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 blah. Um, But when he looked it up, the show, the sitcom that actually did it was Friends. (laughs) But um, in our little, like we had a, trilogy of episodes about our origin stories just how we Mm -hmm. got into the arts and then how we became friends in high school uh, I was the small child that was just had the annoying voice and no one wanted a whole lot to do with you know just the like annoying one yeah and so when I first got there he wanted nothing to do with me and then like the year I graduated uh, like over the years he had gotten to stand me because I had gotten less annoying and become more aware of my surroundings. Right, right. And then somehow uh, I ran into him when he was going to play Yu-Gi-Oh! at the library, and then he asked me to go work out with him. Oh, nice. And right we passage. just kind of became friends. So when we were trying to come up with a name for the YouTube channel where it's like, it'll have the podcast, but it'll like we'll put up some other content. It was just like, oh, you know what? Accidentally friends. We're like, okay, yeah, you know what? That works. And uh, so we made like another logo and stuff for just the YouTube channel. But, you know, everything podcast is still Golden Hour Coffee Cast. The name of the show is not changing. It's just the, the YouTube because we've got a, a video version. 
because he's, he's a videographer. He can't not do something with it. Like I said earlier, he's got to do something where he's creating. He's got to have that um, fix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know it all too well. I know it all too well. And, man, I had a blast being a guest on there. So thank you guys, you know, for having me on there. And also thank you for not doing it, you know, at the golden hour in the morning because I can't guarantee I would have even been awake or at my prime at that point. Actually, I don't even know if I'm at my prime now. But, man, (laughs) I I had a blast on there. So I'm going to have some links in the show notes. And, guys, if you're already following me on social media, you've seen my posts about it as well. So even go back and check that out too. But – Get some eyes and some ears on this YouTube channel and the podcast because it is some good quality stuff. So if you want to be entertained, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go check it out. Thank you, man. Of course, of course, man. I I, I'm, I love seeing my friends do all these cool things too. And it's like, it, it seems like, and I, this has been something that's come up multiple times throughout this season in the first a lot of people tend to be negative on things that they didn't do or don't seem to understand. So like seeing my friends with all these creative outlets and the things they're pursuing, going at it and getting it like, dude, I love Mm -hmm. seeing that. So any way that I can help support it, help get eyes and ears on it, I am 100% willing to do my part to make that happen. So no thanks necessary. Oh, well, you're going to get it anyways, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> I am humbled. And yeah, we loved having you on the show and everything. We got to share a couple of laughs and all that. Of course, that. of course. It was course. a good time. Yes, sir. And speaking of good times, I think this has become my favorite thing now, man. We're going to flip the switch a little bit. Um, going to turn the reins over to you and maybe make this quasi-golden hour. I don't know for sure, but you're going to throw some questions my way now because I've been grilling you for about the last hour here, so now it's time for you to throw a few more my way and call it even. All right. Sounds good. Right. Um, I'm at your mercy. Let's see. Uh, you know, while we're still on on the topic of podcasts, mm-hmm. um, I know, you know, hitting a rebrand and everything uh, just a couple of months in before even... 20 episodes uh what kind of uh did you have any sort of like little speed bumps and come across any issues that when you were starting you thought you had everything accounted for but oh boy you know, along the way it's like oh wow i didn't know that i would have to account for something like this yeah uh let me go ahead and say first and foremost um audio quality because i knew nothing of engineering I thought if I just had my setup, had the microphone ready to go, I could go back and listen to an hour or a two-hour episode and edit it all myself. Not true, which I'm sure if you guys go back and listen, you'll hear when the differences happen around episode four or five. That is actually when I had to start go out, going out and looking for a quality audio engineer, which, thank God, you know, Z got into my DMs and you know, offered to give it a test run so I could test his quality uh, and, you know, just see the differences between what I was doing and what he was doing. And he's been the one editing these episodes now, like, since episode five. And had he not been doing that, like, I don't know if this podcast would have still been going because looking back and listening now, the audio quality was not the best. And that was just me being way out of my element and not even knowing what I was doing. So, Editing and all that fun stuff, that was probably the first big hiccup that I hit as far as any of that goes. Yeah, oh, it's a hurdle. Yes, sir, it, it is. It most definitely is. 
I'm I'm still not sure I'm doing as good a job as he is, and you know I have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've I've learned too. Like it's all it's all still so subjective. But I know. Yeah. Let me put it this way. I'm gonna put you guys at one and one A. I'll let y'all fight it out over which one's which. I'm down here, maybe near about number five or so, and that's me being generous to myself. But you guys got me topped for sure. Uh I think it's all right. <laughs> the first ones didn't sound too bad. I think I think well, I mean, you know, our first one was literally out in the backyard. Oh yeah. So I think our first episode probably sounds worse than your first episode. <laughs> you can tell where the growing pains come and things started, you know, evolving and getting into their groove from there too. So it's fun to go oh, back yeah. and listen though. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely good to like sort of check in to see like just how far you've sort of made it from when you actually decided to first absolutely start um so from like on that note um where what do you uh when do you know when to stop like planning and trying to like get things just right in preparation for or just getting it to like where you think it needs to be before you take that first step and actually taking the first step in whether it's auditions or just like taking on a, another new role in your life mm-hmm. for whatever reason because you hate sleep. Oh God, I I miss <laughs> sleep so much. But uh, man, it's it's so funny you ask that because uh, earlier today, uh, the day that we're recording this, I had a coaching session and it was actually you know looking uh, to get my stuff out there to potential agencies, and it's like. I wasn't sure that my my commercial demo was up to snuff, and my coach Elise, who you all know who she is by now, uh, you know she was like, "Look, we've and we've been talking about this for a while. We've been waiting for this to get done. Um, I think it's at a good level where it's going to get some eyes on you and possibly get you some representation. But we don't need to keep spinning our wheels here. Like you've just gotta you've got to get it out there." And, you know, who knows? You may get some constructive criticism. You may get some feedback. You may get nothing. You may get an agent. Who's to say? But be bold and, you know, big things will come to you. So that's kind of been my mentality as far as just like I've been doing all this work. And if I feel like I can take it on my plate and do it to its justice, I'm going to do it. But sometimes I am guilty of... uh, of taking a little bit too much on my plate and overworking myself. So I'm still trying to find that happy medium there a little bit too. But I mean, really, if it's something though that, that piques my interest or gets me excited at the possibilities of it, um, I am going to find a way to make it work, to put it bluntly. Yeah, that is that is an amazing mindset to have because growing up, there's just so many times where you're just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And that's where it just stops. Yep. Because you just get in your head from there. It's like, yeah, it's cool, but I could never. Uh, I shouldn't. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's not and meant for so, me. Yeah. Yeah. So changing that to, like, just be like, hey, I'm into it, so I want to do just something with it. I want to give yeah. it a shot. Like, that's that's killer. That's and, awesome. And to put it bluntly, too, not to get too graphic here, but if I can perform in multiple states and god-awful revealing spandex in front of random strangers what like why am i nervous right now i have to keep reminding myself of that it doesn't always go in my favor but i mean like if i can do that like seriously what what's the worst that i could what's the worst that could happen 
Yeah, that, that's that's fair. You're you're put like, you know, my whole thing was like putting a lot emotionally on display mm-hmm. in a little Zoom call, <laughs> and you're just putting everything on display in an arena. I have no shame. <laughs> <laughs> so, like on, on that note too, like um, how. What was it about wrestling that got you really like into it? Was is just like the sort of like the entertainment side of things, or just like the sort of practical like know how to handle yourself if you got into any sort of tussle out there on the streets, or just you know you did wrestling as a kid and you just wanted to keep taking those next steps? I think what it was is um, you know in high school it wasn't the cool thing to, you know, like, to like wrestling, you know, like if you did, or it's like even anime, for example, if you didn't, mm. if you liked it, you weren't considered the cool kid, but now it seems like everybody's big into it or they were always big into it, but now they're just comfortable doing it. But for the longest time, I really didn't know what it was that drove me to it. But, um, as I got more into it, like I know there was one match which uh, was Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21 back in 2005. That is the match that just absolutely was like, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know why, but I'm going to do this. Um, And oddly enough, one of my family members down in Memphis knew um, WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware, and he helped get me introduced to some people, and it just kind of went from there after I graduated high school. But the more I got into it, I realized it was more of an adrenaline rush that I was chasing because for whatever reason, like when I stopped back in 2018, I was just always searching for something to replace that feeling. I didn't miss, you know, being sore, but I missed that rush that you get from from that live performance. And then on top of that, too, the storytelling with the physical with the physicality and the athleticism is the other thing that got it because these guys, you know, like some of them probably shouldn't be talking on a microphone because it doesn't sound real. It just sounds, you know, like put on or like somebody's playing. But if they're out there like physically telling a story with their bodies and it grabs somebody's attention and makes them believe what they're doing is real, even though we all know it's a predetermined type of thing, that's what it was that drew me. It's just like being able to manipulate and control a crowd and room of people with the actions you do with your body or your body language. That's that's what it all came down to for me. Now, of course, it was kind of cool, you know, like packing on some weight and putting on a little bit of muscle. Still got to trim some fat. But, you know, and then like right. seeing these people from high school, they're like, oh, you actually went and did that. Or, you know, people that I, I wrestled with like 10, 15 years ago, see them again. And it's like, oh, wow. Like you, you're still doing this and you actually like you put more time and investment into it. Like. Yeah, I guess it's just the residual payoff of it. But again, too, being able to just control a room and tell a story with your body and your body language, that's what it was for me when I was actually able to separate and figure it out. You know, that that's what it was right there. Yeah, wow, that's something. And then, like, even even with the voice acting, you're still doing the same thing. Except yeah. No one, except for the director really gets to see the physicality and everything exactly exactly so you have even less to be embarrassed about so you can be even showier yep and it's it's like the harder you try to not be showier whether it's voice acting or even like scare acting from last fall like at the haunted house you know it's like if you try to not 
do it or you try to rein it back in, that's when you look weird or that's when you well, you stand out in a bad way. But the crazier oh, you get and the more physical and into it you get, the better off it is. And that's what's, that's what's fun about it. You get to explore and just discover new things at the same time, too. Yeah. Oh, because the second that someone's holding back or, like, if you're listening, like, if you're, you know, doing an audition at night when everyone's sleeping. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be aggravated or loud, and you can just hear that you're trying to not yep. wake people up. Yep. It is a dead tell. You can yes. immediately you can be like, ah, this person was recording at three a.m. There's yep. the train whistle. And if they if they don't care or they can't get invested in it, why should I? Right. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of agents and stuff when they're listening to the demo reels, it's like that first one needs to captivate. Or, like, they're not listening to the rest of it. That's it. Because in the big cities and stuff, if you're sending to agencies, they got to listen to hundreds a day. So oh, if you yeah. don't capture them in those first, like, five seconds, it's, like, they're not listening to the rest. Yep. So it's it's one of those weird things where, you know, I think everyone's conditioned sort of save the best for last. No. But with this stuff, it's like, no, 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 no. Front and center with your best work. Straight Everything out of the game. should be good. There should not be a single thing on there that you're embarrassed about. It all needs to be like your best work that shows off exactly what you do best. 100%. Get them straight out of the gate and keep it going. Yeah. And then um, was it like a similar, like that similar sort of thing with the like physicality and just the committing and like storytelling that got you into the voice acting? Or was that like its own little... uh, sort of epiphany um it was just one of those things uh come to find out one of my neighbors actually does voiceover so i started picking his brain about it a little bit and then i started seeing the ads uh you mentioned him earlier you know like steve bloom in the bloomvox community i started seeing ads on you know on facebook and everywhere for that so i signed up for one of those hour things just to kind of you know figure out what he was doing and what it was all about and I ended up signing the trigger off of that because it's like, man, okay, so I'm going to get to learn and then I'm going to also get to learn from these people that I grew up listening to, you know, like a Charlie Adler or a Rob Paulson even. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're going to be teaching these classes and I'm going to actually get to, uh, you know, get to interact with them. What the, like, what is life right now? So, of course, like, yeah, yeah I'm going to do it. And then, you know, when you do get to do this, like, you leave with this, this sense of motivation that it's just like, Okay, he actually, or she actually took the time, whoever it may have been, to give me an intricate answer based off of the question I asked, and it wasn't just some BS. Okay, here's your answer. On to the next. So like that yeah. was that was a big deal for me, and it showed me too that it's like this this really is a community more than anything else. Right. And that that was and a huge part. It seems to me like I I don't know because I know I've heard horror stories of. LA where you know everything acting there is so competitive that no one wants to give you an inch yeah from everything else that I've seen at least with voice acting specifically it really seems to be like the like sort of gig in entertainment where everyone's sort of looking out for each other yes you know you get a part but like they're asking for something you can't do you, you can, send them a guy that you know that can do exactly what they're looking for. Yes. Like everyone's kind of like looking out for each other in that sort of aspect. 100%. And I think that's 
so just invaluable to people, especially who are just trying to get their start and get their foot in the door. Absolutely. I mean, that and that was I've been very vocal about this part too. Like that was a huge thing for me coming from wrestling, especially because it was more cutthroat, you know, and nobody did want to give you an inch. Everybody was very protective of what they thought was theirs and they didn't look at it as, you know, like there's something for everybody. So coming here, man, it was like a huge, huge transition and adapting period, getting used to that, you know, like wow, there really is a, a family atmosphere here. So Mm-hmm. And you know, it seems like the more you the more you put it out in the world to help people, the more it comes back to you too. So, it's a it's a night and day difference. Oh, most definitely, I can imagine. Man, I mean, questions. obviously, I don't know what what wrestling's like, but just with the competitiveness of sports and stuff in general, I can definitely see like it. It's more tryouts and stuff like that. Everyone, mm-hmm. especially when it's just like a who gets to be on the limited number of who gets to fill out the limited number of spots right like people get really people can get really selfish with that kind of thing really quick yes sir and like be that's so their whole quick life to point out anything that you can't do to make themselves look better and Absolutely. you know there's i'm there's definitely actors that do the same thing i'm not just oh yeah you know trying to shit on sports right 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 i played a bunch growing up but you know, there's some types of people that'll do that, but I'm glad to see that in voice acting, for the most part, the majority of people seem to be more, you know, pulling the people up from behind them instead of, like, sticking their foot in their face. Very, very much so. And Man. I think the the last thing I have for you is, like, one of the first questions I asked you today. Yes. Um, you know, between the wrestling, the... Uh, voice acting, the being a dad and a family man, like how do you juggle all of those jobs, those like different roles that you've taken on in life and sort of like prioritize them? Like when does one thing sort of like outclass the other? Like when do you need to send in an audition before instead of like going to train for the day or something like that? Right. How does prioritizing those things work? Man, uh, I'm going to be honest. I am still going to give myself an F in this regard um, because sometimes, like, I end up sacrificing sleep when I desperately need it because I've just got to I've got to get this done or I've got to go work out. I've got to do this, got to do that, and get maybe four or five hours of sleep. But, like, the biggest thing for me is being able to shut it off when I come home from work, which is still extremely hard to do because it can be a very stressful, you know, nine to five type of thing, but Mm -hmm. trying to make sure first and foremost, and I full disclosure still drop the ball here. Sometimes I still try to make sure that my wife and my kids get the best of me first. I'm human. I still drop the ball. I still stress about other things that may be coming up during that time. So Sometimes I feel like I'm not giving them everything 100%, but I try to do that. Then once they're asleep, I will try and do the podcast, do auditions, uh, send out booking emails, uh, you know, for this for this next year and comic cons and everything, and then try and work out or do dialects or whatever it may be all before, you know, 11 o'clock at night or, or midnight at the latest, but... I just, I try to keep family first. It doesn't always work out that way sometimes, and I hate saying that, but I I just try to keep it going as it goes and 
get a few hours of sleep in there. So I'm still trying to fine tune that myself and just find the, the best way possible. But I just try to try to keep having fun while I'm doing all of it though. But that, that's the main thing is just trying to stay, stay having fun the entire time and not feel like it's all work. Cause otherwise I probably wouldn't even be sitting up in this chair right now, being able to talk to you on the microphone if I, if I wasn't having fun doing a lot of this stuff. So, right. Yeah, because if you're that sleep-deprived and not having fun, it's just miserable. What am I doing with my life? Yeah. That's it. Man, damn, these were some deep and diverse questions, dude. I love it. I love how, like, somehow, like, almost every one of your answers kind of bled into another question. That was unintentional, by the way. Um, Full disclosure, he did try to send me these questions early, and I refused to look at them, so these were all off the cuff, guys. But, I mean, like, again, like, there's just something that goes back to something I even said earlier is, like, when I interview my friends, like, it's inadvertently, you guys set these things up for me that I had in my mind to talk about because I just try to wing it on here so it doesn't sound stiff or or a forced conversation or anything. But, like, you guys set me up for these next topics, and it just makes my job so easy. So it's like there's some kind of synergy that's going on here between all of us, and it just – I love it. I can't explain it, but I can definitely tell you that I love it. Yeah, well, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, yes. And needless to say, guys, you can go back on the Golden Hour Coffee Cast uh, archives and get a double dose of this. Matter of fact, yeah. go listen to that as soon as you wrap up here. I've said it before, but there will be links in the show notes. Go listen. Go have some laughs because I, once again, had a blast. And no, he's not paying me to say that. I'm telling you because I had a fucking blast. Pardon my language. Yeah, no, this was awesome. Yes, sir. Um, and if I can just touch on one quick other thing. Really, Please do. Um, improv. You brought it up. Yes, and it's sir. been something that I've, like, once I finished my uh, intro class with Sonny, like, on the mm-hmm. last day, I told him I was from Chicago, and he asked about Second City. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll take a class and let you know how it is. And I still haven't. And I feel like just with how, like, how I hear you host the show and how your banter is just like back to back to back. And there's never like a lull unless it's me waiting to see if like, Oh, do I go? Uh, <laughs> like, God, I got to take some of those improv classes. I, I just still haven't. There was, I, I met some, like there were comedy clubs and stuff in college. There was a comedy writing minor and everything, mm-hmm. but like, man, you've definitely, convince me that I need to I need to start getting into some improv. Well man, I'm I'm glad to hear that and uh we'll talk a little off air and I'll get you in touch with him, but actually uh my improv teacher is based out of Chicago and he was uh really? he was involved with Second City at one point. His name's Jonathan Pitts. And spoiler alert, he'll be a future guest on here down the road, but man, he is uh he has been a godsend as far as a teacher goes. And I mean, it's to the point too where like I'm comfortable doing improv with people across the world now through Zoom, and it's just, it's fun. Like, you don't have to think about it. And he makes it challenging to get you out of the things that you would normally, like the little habits you would fall into, like being overly angry or being loud or whatever it would be in my case. And, you know, he challenges you to, uh, you know, to get out and do more and find other ways to do it. But he is 100% like the best improv coach that I could ever recommend. 
All right. Yeah, no, I'll definitely have to hit him up. Beautiful. In my own backyard. Oh, yeah, you know, how'd you find me? Oh, you know, he went on my buddy's podcast who I met in a, in a Zoom class for some guy who's based in Texas and now in Connecticut. And you're in where? I am in Nashville, down in Tennessee. I thought it was Tennessee. Yes, sir. I was like, yeah, you know, and uh, where are you located? Oh, you know, Chicago suburbs. So you let me don't get this trade. I'm in Chicago. You're in Chicago. You found out about me from a dude in Tennessee. Yes. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. That's how it works. And I mean, like, that's... Sometimes it does. That is 100%, man, like, the silver lining of uh, of the pandemic. Like, unfortunately, right now, you know, it's still going on. But, like, had it not happened, I wouldn't have had these opportunities in voiceover, which wouldn't have led me to meeting all these awesome people. So, like... The, the world is a crazy place right now, but there is some good in it, and there is some positivity in it if you look at it that way. Because had it oh, not yeah. happened, had Zoom not been a thing, or these virtual classes not been a thing, I wouldn't have become friends with Jesse and, like, everybody else just about that's been a guest on here. It, it's been an amazing thing in a crazy, crazy time, and I am, as weird as it is to say, I am so grateful that it happened. Not COVID, yeah, but meeting all these people. Had, it's definitely had a pretty solid silver lining. There's definitely some uh, darker parts to it. Of course, that no, yes. That no one is going to deny, but yeah, no, some good's definitely... You know, all of a sudden, all these people are working from home now, too. Like yes. A lot of cool things have been... Still trying to get on that rest. part, but, you know, we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Oh, we definitely. are getting there. Man, this has been a blast. Like, I can't believe we're coming up on an hour and a half here because it does. It feels like this whole thing is just flown by. Oh yeah, definitely. Dude, I have had a blast, and like I said, I can't thank you for uh, for being so generous and coming on here and you know telling your story. It was it was an awesome oh, experience, and I just I love being reassured that or reaffirming that all my friends like there's just some similarity there that draws us all together and it's not just me making these things up in my mind like it's so awesome to see definitely yeah and it's been a blast being here man it's been a really good time well man i am glad to hear that well guys i hope you enjoyed this conversation here tonight i hope you'll go check out the golden hour coffee cast and uh, like i said we'll have links to that in the show notes and i hope you go back and check out the archives if this is your first time listening Hope it was a great introduction to the podcast and everything I'm doing here. Hope you'll check out Tales from the Haunt, my other podcast. Uh, If you're into all things spooky or want to know what it's like being an actor at a haunted house, check that out because uh, we got some really interesting characters and stories going on there too. And it helps put a lot of things in perspective that you may not think about that go into making a haunted house successful. So check that out. And of course, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all social media platforms, we are there. Share us with your friends. You know, get connected. Keep up with what we're doing. Send me guest requests. I've been getting lucky here lately. I might be able to make it happen, depending on who it is. Let's try my luck and see. And, you know, of course, too, subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I'm old. I still call it iTunes. I don't know what it is now, but we're on there. Leave us a five-star review if you think I've earned it and you enjoy hearing me ramble. Or if you like my guests. Tonight was an awesome guest, and I've got more awesome guests in the archives, guys. Go back and listen, and get ready to get subscribed. If you're not already, i got to ask what you're doing, because you know next week I'm going to have another awesome guest on the line for you. 
There are big things coming as we're getting closer to the end of season two and getting up to our first, yeah, man, our first full year here. Like, where has the time gone? So I'm, I'm getting tongue-tied just trying to process all that right now. So get subscribed, get on board, and keep up with everything we're doing here. And also, too, don't be afraid to go out and share some positivity in the world. Do some good. We could all use it, and you're going to feel better about yourself for doing it, too. So, Jesse, again, man, thank you for being on here tonight. Absolutely my pleasure, man. Dude, my pleasure as well, and you are welcome back anytime. I hope you tune in next week, and I hope you get ready for another awesome interview and more awesome guests coming down the road, just like my interview with Jesse here tonight. So, guys, for myself, for Jesse, tune in again next week. I thank you for being here, and I thank you for continuing to support, and I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.